Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good afternoon. Scott Luton, Greg White with you here at Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Greg, you're on the move. How you doing? Live from the field, Scott. Am I coming in okay? <laughs> you can. You can. So, Greg, you are in uh, basically uh, downtown Atlanta at the ATDC, right? Yeah, the Atlanta Technology Development Center, the big incubator, the Georgia Tech incubator. So, visiting one of our partners and one of the companies that I uh, that I advise. Wrong shoulder, <laughs> Verison. Uh, I was about to say that you're advising yeah. one of the largest the strategic uh, planning. <laughs> Well, great to see you. I think we've got a, just a, a heads up. We've got a little bit of a delay, I think, between our connection, but we'll yeah. work through that today. Um, and welcome, everybody. Uh, Shrenevis is already here. Shrenevis, great to see you. I hope this finds you and your family well and, and, and your whole neighborhood. I know that you are working through that second wave, and, and we're with you. So we're going to touch on that here momentarily. But Shrenevis, hope this finds you well. Uh, and we'll, we'll get back to saying hello to everyone else here in a minute. But today, Greg, we've got a special guest, Florissa yes, Siri founder of Supply Chain Insights, amongst other things, and one of the most respected voices in global business. So we're looking forward to a great conversation today, right? Truth teller, all-knowing, all-seeing, yes. I am really <laughs> looking forward to this, and especially what she's going to share. Right? Agreed. Which I'm not going to give away. Good, good. It is going to be, hey, if you love supply chain, and if you're supply chain nerds like we are, it is going to be manna from heaven. So stay tuned for a great conversation here today. Now, let's like tackle a few, a few programming notes, and then we're going to say hello, and then we're going to we're going to bring in our special guest here today. So, And by the way, supply chains we admire. That's going to be the, the main thrust today. So stay tuned for a great conversation. But most importantly today, I want to encourage everyone, you know, our friends, Shrinivas and others are in India fighting through that uh, a really tough second wave of, of uh, the pandemic. Our hearts and prayers and thoughts and action are with our friends there. So we're very proud to support uh, these nonprofit efforts to get needed resources to our friends in India. So we challenge yeah. you, encourage you, hey, give, give small, give big whatever you can do, but you can check out the effort, one of the many noble efforts at vibha.org where every, every, I've got, I've got a buddy over here that's, that's, that's uh, ready to jump on the live stream, but every dollar yeah. is going to We need to give uh, him a effort. mic. <laughs> every dollar is going to this effort. So vibha.org or our friends at Vector Global Logistics are helping marshal the resources. And if you've got some ideas for how you or your organization can help out there, shoot them a note at India at VectorGL.com. All right. So, Greg, on a much, much lighter note, talk to us. Um, so, we're approaching 50 episodes of Tequila Sunrise. I think this is number Holy 42. Macro. Tell us about the episode you dropped this week. So, Saint Azorlu is um, one of the venture partners at Vera Venture Capital, also a previous founder, and now two big events, not only a stealth startup founder herself, but a brand new mom. So as if she didn't have enough to do, and gosh, don't you think that ought to be 
she also joined me on the show. All of this episode was literally, it was literally inspired by an email where I said, I'm struggling with this aspect of evaluating these companies. And she sent me this email that just broke it down. So simply I said, that is an episode. Let's talk about it. So she is decoding the mysteries of founder and investor discussions and relationships. It's when you think you're saying one thing, the investors are hearing another, or for instance, one of the things we talked about is here's what founders think money is used for, what, what funding buys them. And here's what investors are willing to invest funding to, to see accomplished by a company. Mm. I'll just give you a quick, a quick thing that every founder should know and eliminate from their, their vernacular. And that is funding does not buy you runway. It does not buy you time. So mm. you'll have to listen in for the rest of it or rules, rules to live by, to found by and to uh, lead your, your startup by. So great conversation. I've listened to half of it. And one of my favorites already is how she talks about how uh, technology is the ultimate democratizer. So great conversation. And y'all can find that wherever you get your podcast from tequila sunrise uh, with a T E C H. Hey, we've got uh, several great webinars coming up, including this one where we're partnering with our friends at Transplace. It's all going to be about practical, successful, real innovations in supply chain. It's been one of the great silver linings of all this, right? Uh, so join uh, Greg and I as we uh, talk with Tracy Rosser on the 8th of June. June's going to just right around the corner, Greg. But before we get to June, this I week know. has been... <laughs> feels like it's here. <laughs> yes, it does. Except the weather outside. Here in Atlanta, it's, it's got to be 65 degrees yeah. here today, which is right. That feels like February. <laughs> So, right. um, but before we get to June, tomorrow, this has been the week of live streams. We've got an awesome one here today. Tomorrow, we've got Peggy Gulick uh, with Kohler and Billy Taylor, who's on the board of directors with the Association for Manufacturing Excellence, joining us for a great conversation tomorrow at 12 noon. So don't miss that either. Okay. So Greg, before we get all of that good stuff, we have got a, uh, one of our favorite conversations, monthly conversations right here at Supply Chain Now with the one and only Laura Ciceri, founder of Supply Chain Insight. Insight. So let's go ahead and welcome Laura in. Laura, good afternoon. How you doing? I couldn't do better. Thank you. Well, great to see you. We, we've, uh, as always, we enjoy the pre-show conversations. We've enjoyed kind of our touches between the touches, so to speak. And I tell you, we've been diving deeper and deeper into the um, supply chains we admire here today. But we're going to get to all that in a minute. So welcome to today's live stream. Thanks. Okay. So Gregory... Any idea of what, you know, I like to track yes, these Scott. national days. They're so, <laughs> they're so creative. There's a national day for everything, international day for, for plenty of things too. Any idea of what we're celebrating today? I don't know. You're going to have to clue me in. I'm sorry. Uh, you, I, you know failed. what? I, I, think, I, think we need to, I think we need to harken back to April 29th, which is National Supply Chain Day. We, we yes. were actually, I think, not on the air on that day, right? <laughs> uh, but I did, I just, so everyone knows, I did talk to the founder of National Supply Chain Day, Mary-Kate Love, and all is well there. Big celebration plan for next year. So let's hear what's going on this year. So today, May 13th, it is National Apple Pie Day. It is International Hummus Day and National Fruit Cocktail Day. So the question, the, the hard-hitting question here wow. is, to you, and we'll start with Laura first. Which of those three celebrated fruits, beverages, you name it, would you make a lunch out of? I think all three. I, I, you know, <laughs> I'm a big fan of all three. 
Yes, we are too. So you're saying a well-balanced approach. Uh, yeah, to yeah. You need a little bit of sugar from that apple pie, you know, fruit cocktail counts as fruit, you know, hummus is good for you. Yeah, all three. <laughs> all right. So Greg, what about you? I, I, like Laura, refuse to be a slave to the tyranny of the ore. I am into the freedom of the and. So yes, hummus and pie and fruit cocktail. Yeah, absolutely. Gosh, fruit cocktail throws you back to your kids, you know, your, your childhood, doesn't it? I remember yes. fruit cocktail. I'm just waiting, Greg, for National Chardonnay Day or, you know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Oh, what is the, uh, yes, every day is rosé, a rosé every day. Is there some, uh, yeah. I'm with you. Chardonnay yeah, is our favorite. Right. Yeah, so one more fun question before we get to the, the, all the stuff that's going on. Um, so today is also Darius Rucker's birthday. He was born on this date back in 1966. He's one of our family's favorite artists, uh, whether it's Hootie and the Blowfish or his, his more recent country stuff, which I still love, Clay. Clay was digging on Darius earlier. Big thanks, of course, to Amanda and Clay behind the scenes for making the production happen. So with that said, that's one of our favorites here, amongst others. We were talking about Kenny Rogers in the pre-show, Laura. Well, he's also one of our favorites. In fact, we named a hound after Kenny Rogers, and, and that hound proceeded to run away. So maybe uh, that was a wrong name to go with. But let's talk about know when your... to hold him. <laughs> Very nice, Greg. Very nice. That is not on my script. Very nice. But Laura... What so Darius Rucker, one of our favorites. What's one, what's one of your instant artists or bands that come to mind when you talk about your favorite music? So when I write, I listen to Chris Singleton or the Queen. I have a dog by the name of Freddie Mercury for a reason. Oh, I love that, cool. Laura. We keep uncovering some some uh, synergies between us here. All right, so Freddie Mercury is that? I know you've got three dogs. Mm -hmm. uh, is Freddie the best acting or the least acting dog? He's the young guy. He's oh. he's the guy that's always in trouble. <laughs> okay, uh, I love that. Appropriately named. Yeah, appropriately named. The, 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 a what a great star. Yes, movie that came out a couple years ago about the whole Queen journey and Freddie's journey. It was a wonderful movie. Okay, Greg, what about you? You know, you, you're a big music fan. Yeah, it's, it's. I would have to say going all the way back to Van Halen is you know that's that's my get going music right now it, one of their songs is one of my that's when i start running or exercising that's the one i always open with mm -hmm. um and then gosh i don't know that just everything man i'm a huge chris singleton fan single-handedly saving country music from hip hop <laughs> well i I'm, i love hip hop music uh oh <laughs> see we talk start talking music i, I love hip-hop music and i love country music but i don't love them together so well hey we, we've got a speaking of music this just came to me we're going to be having if y'all remember special ed from yo mtv raps he's going to be joining us on an episode with the buzz right. with kevin l jackson he is now using blockchain to protect ip so um, we'll probably talk about little little old school rap when he makes an appearance let's let's share a couple of comments here from folks in the cheap seats chia says moscato here we're talking we were talking our favorite adult beverages earlier funny how quickly we moved to wine <laughs> <laughs> from for cocktail right right uh sylvia of course rightly so darius is i think he was born in north charleston if i'm not mistaken uh, but regardless he is he's always going to be tied to the charleston the holy city so sylvia hope this finds you well peter great point 
because today is the end of Ramadan. So, um, and you know, we, we do hope that we get, you know, violence there in the Middle East has been um, the worst, I think, going back seven or eight years now. So hopefully we can get that settled down in the, in the hours to come. Let's see, on a much lighter note, Clay says that the Steel Drivers debut, debut is my favorite album of all time. Is that, uh, I should know this, is that Queen or Chris Singleton? I, uh, I, Chris, yeah, that's that's his bluegrass band. Sorry, it's, uh, I said Singleton, didn't I? It's Stapleton. Yes, but, Stapleton. Um, yeah, Stapleton. But that's that's the bluegrass band before he went solo. Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. See, I uh, I'm I'm still figuring out some 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 of the the, the bluegrass uh, aspect of country music. Let's see here. Peter says, "Yes, that was my first concert ever." Van Halen. First album tour in the 80s. How about that? I wonder if he still has his tickets. And Peter, hope this finds you well. Great to have you here. Rhonda, also a big Van Halen fan. All the rock bands of the 70s and 80s, the hair bands. You know, it's funny. I never was into the hair bands, but my son is a big fan of uh, all the hair bands. So he's got an old soul. But nevertheless, okay, so we're ready. Really? We've had enough... Yes, we've had enough fun with food and adult beverages and music. We could we could probably talk for hours about all of that stuff. But we've got to get to the news of the day. We're going to start with, and, and Laura, there's no shortage of news out there, right? It's been a really busy week. And, and Clay says, I don't think I am. <laughs> Clay says, I didn't emphasize Peter's yes enough. Thank you, Clay. I, I got to work on my omna. I'm the monopia. What's that? What's that word? Anyway, uh, is, yes, let's talk about the news. Lots of so much going on. Mark Lore, the former e-commerce chief at Walmart, has built a venture capital firm with former major leaguer Alex Rodriguez. Retailers, on a related note, they have basically tripled their investment on retail technology. If you look at first quarter over uh, 2021 over first quarter 2020. Uh, and then up in your neck of the woods, Laura. Amazon Air added to its growing operations, added a daily cargo service at Pittsburgh International Airport today. And then here in our, down here in, in the Southeast, which is still has national and certainly regional uh, repercussions, looks like Colonial Pipeline, their primary operations appear to be back online today after about a week's worth of disruption. So, but Laura, what is one, you know, out of all of that and beyond, what's a news story that you're, you're tracking right now? The Forbes article that I'm writing and hope to get up today is that when I talk to my software technologists that I cover, many of them have operations in India and they have 10 to 15% illness with COVID with their developers. And so I'm expecting that supply chain leaders are going to have serious delays in software development. And most of the business process outsourcing in India, I think, will have some serious shutdowns. I think on that Southeast fuel issue, uh, horrible you know, security issue, but what I found interesting in that scenario is that 25% of the oil tankers are not moving because of the lack of drivers. Mm. And so you know, we could have responded quicker if we had more drivers. Yeah, excellent point. You know, and many analysts are pointing to that uh, back on the, the, the cybersecurity aspect of it, uh, of asylum things to come. And we all hope that's not the case. But lots right. of the challenges are growing and they're getting more complex. And, and <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think okay. my Amazon guy is at the front door, so I'm going to go on mute. Okay. <laughs> hey, that's, 
this live live streams. That's what happens, right? We, we now all love we dogs. know we're live. That's right. We all love our dogs, so that happens to us all the time. Okay, so Greg, while Amazon wraps up its operations there in Pennsylvania, what is one new store that you're tracking? Well, I um, can't help but track this Colonial Pipeline thing. Um, despite their statements otherwise, I believe it's Reuters is reporting that they did pay $5 million ransom to the, the hacker gang. At least that's what I heard on the radio on the way here. Really? So that's a dangerous precedent to set, but all of the things being equal, I guess they had to do it. It's awful, isn't it? You know, just the implications of state and local government. Yeah, yeah just horrific implications. Mm, I completely agree. Completely agree. So we'll, um, but you know, on a lighter note, and, and there's always good news if you look for it, whether it's consumer driven, you know, paranoia driven, you name it, at least we get hope to get some normalcy at the pump. Uh, we were certainly seeing shortages in, in, in our neck of the woods in Metro Atlanta. In fact, Atlanta, I think, was one of the hardest areas hit regionally. Uh, so, but right. let's, let's move right. I've got we, a couple we of We weren't hardest hit by supply. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead, Greg. Sorry, that I delay mean, is kill, kidding me. But we weren't hardest hit by supply. We were hardest hit by panic buying. And by the way, it's interesting because I've waited longer in line for gas on a, an average Saturday afternoon than I did yesterday. And I think it was just time. The, the gas station near us had run out of fuel. When my wife was looking for gas, I just went there kind of blindly, didn't check any apps or anything. And I waited like 10 minutes to get gas. Really? Well, yeah. talk about being in the right spot at the right time, this Gas Buddy app. Uh, you couldn't pay for better advertising. But I agree with you, Greg. And the other thing I think it's interesting, going back to Laura's point, is you know the truck driver shortage and just that huge dilemma. It is going to keep impacting more and more and more until we're able to really, in a root cause manner, fix it or at least address it in a more, more meaningful, sustainable manner. So. Got to love on our, our truck drivers. They, they mm -hmm. do such a great job keeping keeping supply chains moving and everything moving. All right, on the dog front, we're all we all are huge dog fans. I'm surprised my dogs haven't gone crazy today. <laughs> Clay says guard dog is a good dog. I agree. Sylvia says, "Hey, was that Freddie?" No, it's not Freddie. It's Grayson. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's see here. And then back on the news front here, Charles Heater says uh, Microsoft Microsoft's Azure blockchain as a service is going to be shut down. I missed that headline. Did y'all see that today? Hmm. I did. And I think that's a really good point. Uh, you know, a lot of these shiny object tools uh, turn out they don't have so much shine. So I think this is a good point. Yeah, agreed. And then one other thing that, that Peter Bollet all night and all day dropped in my uh, our LinkedIn inbox yesterday is I-40 at some juncture in, I think, Mississippi or Alabama. It was they were diverting traffic because there was a crack in one of the overpasses. So as if it, it seemed to be temporary, which is thankful, and and the overpass didn't drop like it did in up in near the Chattanooga area a little while back. But it just really brings up once again. In fact, the pipeline to some degree and uh, interstate infrastructure, infrastructure. Right, we got to get got some catching up to do. Right, we do, and there's a lot of politics in that discussion that I'm going to sidestep. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, you know, putting politics aside, we've got to, 
as we all know, what is apolitical, we got to protect our, our national energy infrastructure. We've got to, you know, some of the lack of security around even nuclear facilities. And then just, just, just the, the highways and byways, you know, the interstates, the railroad, the uh, protecting water. I mean, the American Society for Civil Engineers, I believe is a group, ASCE, they put out a great inf holistic infrastructure report, I think every two years, I believe. And while the grade came up this year, Laura, still, they, they really list all the areas that we, we've got to get addressed. But we'll save that for another day. Yeah, it's pretty ugly. It's it's worth reading. And we need a real infrastructure bill. Um, you know, the, I worry about the ports. You know, I think this morning we had 33 boats off of Long Beach. And, you know, we shut down the port of Montreal. And, you know, we just can't get the goods we need to get through those ports. So... And it's interesting also the coverage that we're getting on the automotive uh, semiconductor shortage. You know, mm. everyone's covering it like, you know, automotive shutting down. They're not really covering the fact that automotive companies aren't good supply chain partners. They don't share good data. And right. I found the interview with TSMC interesting because they said if automotive hadn't shut down or had given them better communication about starting up, they wouldn't have the issues. And so, you know, framing that issue is also interesting to watch in the press. Excellent point. And Greg, I know you're, you want to jump. I'm going to come back to you for one more uh, news observation, but you know, it's really interesting. Weeks ago, we talked about this, this kind of article on the situation and they were quoting an attorney that, that clearly has never worked in supply chain about, the automotive supply chain managers were telling them, get prepared. The demand's coming back, but they can tell them all they want. If they don't issue, uh, um, you know, POs and put some skin in the game so that their suppliers will, will move and take action based on what they say is coming. That to your point, Laura, you know, have, having supplied automotive companies, they use that big hammer regularly. And in this case, you know, it came back to bite them a bit. Yeah. The big stick bit them. And, yes. um, you know, and I work with a company that is a multinational and, you know, they have different divisions and one of the divisions serviced automotive and they totally shut down with COVID-19 and we're totally surprised by the rebound in the automotive industry. And I'm like, we can get weekly sales of cars. It's easy data to get. Nobody should be surprised and nobody should be, you know, sleeping at the switch. Yeah, agreed. All right, Greg, you're, you've got the last comment here before we move on to supply chains we admire. Yeah, well, you know, typically, as, and I think it's hard to say it better than Laura did, automotive OEMs are not good. They're not good supply chain partners. And they do tend to wield a stick rather than to collaborate. And, you know, it's hurt them again. And of course, their natural reaction is to go to the government for assistance. When when they've created an issue of their of their own doing. So it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. I really think it will shake out before hopefully the government does something stupid and subsidize semiconductor production in the States or something like that. You know, the automotive industry would be well served to plant a field of carrots, right? You know, it's more about carrots than sticks. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, yes. A couple of comments Amen. here. So Gary says, and I think he meant to say, I can't even get ping golf clubs for three months. I think we've seen that we've seen that on couches, we've seen that on, on furniture, cars, even for sure. So Gary, I hope your uh, golf game can make it over the next three months. Peter is pointing out a great post you shared yesterday, and Peter would love to see what that was. Uh, Laura, did you have one big 
post yesterday that you want to mention? Well, I posted two things yesterday. One was the leadership series that I'm doing on my podcast. Um, I woke up one day and I realized that a lot of the people that were my associates in supply chain were either dying or ill or, you know, they changed jobs. And I'm like, I really need to get these people on podcasts to talk about leadership. So I formed a list and I asked people to speak on leadership. So Rick Davis spoke on influence management. Rick went through 28 organization changes at Kellogg and he survived. <laughs> it's an amazing story. And Nick Lynch to talk about building a guiding coalition to do new innovation. And then my next podcast is with Jane Kaiser of Bayer on innovation versus standardization and how do we draw the line and what is the role of the leader to drive innovation, which also we talk about the driven woman and, um, you know, Jane and I are a bit driven and, you know, our careers in supply chain. So I think that's a good one. Peter also might be referencing the backwards bike video that I posted yesterday. As many people know, I'm sponsoring or working with Project Zebra, which is something that I push the industry to do, which is how do we rethink the art of the possible and planning with what's happening in analytics? You know, why do we have planners, right? You know, it's 3% of the back office. Why do we not have self-service planning? Why do we not have what-if analysis? Why do we not have you know, the ability to really understand probabilities? and redefine planning. And so I built an open source group with nine business leaders, four academics, and ASCM in 09 to really say, let's start to redefine planning. And one of the issues I've had in facilitating the group is unlearning what they know today about planning. And this backward bike video is a good you know, wake up call, because everybody says, I know how to ride a bike, right? You know, once you ride a bike, it comes back naturally. But this backward bike, you know, changes the equilibrium. Right. And it's about the journey of unlearning. And it's it's a great video. I love it. And so many things are in the process or will be redefined as we get into, hopefully, for all countries, uh, the post-pandemic environment. So excellent point. I'm going to check that out, Laura. All right. So I want to share a couple more comments, and we're going to keep driving. Brandy mentions that the semiconductor industry does the same thing to her suppliers. So let's see here. Rhonda also is sharing, looks like, some resources around digital media and social media after today's live stream. So thanks for that, Rhonda. Let's see. And, and Nanda is back with us. Nanda is, let's see here. From Norway. So Nanda, great. Look forward to your contributions here today. Okay. So finally, we, we could talk, let's see, food, music, adult beverages, and the news of the day for hours on end. But let's talk about this supply chains to admire the 2020 edition. So Greg, we, you and I were chatting about that before Laura joined us here today. And we're chatting about some of the companies that she was reporting on and really just kind of how her analysis, her team's analysis kind of stands out from so many other awards out there in industry, right? Yeah, it's a completely neutral take. I mean, that's what I love about it is there's no assuming that the biggest are the best. There's no, dare I say, pandering to those who are the biggest clients. There's none of that. And I, I think that is something that we, it's particularly it's particularly uh, refreshing for someone who is working always with small supply chain tech companies or companies 
because you really don't have a chance any other way. It's not exactly pay for play, but there is obviously some consideration when one particular vendor can get you moved out of a particular, let's say, a parallelogram in a group of parallelograms that are somewhat magical. So, you know, <laughs> I think the the objectivity of it is valuable both to the, the technology providers because she challenges us. And as I've said before, I've been challenged by Laura. It's enlightening. It's frightening. Um, <laughs> but in the end, it it is it, it helps you improve your business, but it also serves the practitioner best. And I think that's an important part of the service that Laura provides. Excellent point. Unbeholden is is the, the term that comes to my mind, at least. So we've got a lot more homework to do, though. But Laura, for starters, clearly the 2020 supply chains to admire is not a popularity contest. But what's the genesis behind it? Where, where did it all start? Well, Greg, I just want to say that tough Laura love, I hope has helped a lot of people. Uh, and let's talk about the supply chains to admire. So I used to work at a company called AMR Research, and unfortunately, a lot of people don't remember AMR Research, but AMR was very focused on analyst information for business leaders. It was the firm in Boston focused on supply chain management, and AMR developed the AMR supply chain, which is now the Gartner rating system. And we were looking at, you know, who has the best supply chain. And it's 50% opinion. And so there is a, basically a call. All companies are put, you know, on a sheet and people are asked to rate which companies are the best supply chains. And so the Gartner work is 50% opinion. And then it looks at three years of data on inventory and uh margin and um you know they change some of the metrics year to year but you know it three years isn't sufficient because it takes you know four to five years to really turn a big ship around and also it doesn't go across all sizes of companies and so that was a wake-up call for me to say let's look at all companies all manufacturing, all retailing companies, irrespective of size, and let's divide them into peer groups because the Gartner work doesn't divide companies into peer groups. So it basically compares chemical companies to semiconductor companies and automotive companies to retail, puts them all on a spreadsheet and shakes them up. So we divide companies into 28 peer groups, and that was a tough thing because we've argued about peer groups for a decade. Wow. And then we look at nine years of data and we look at the intersection of growth and margin, margin and inventory turns and growth and return on invested capital. And we look at, is there improvement at those intersections? Because you can't just look at metrics individually and are they outperforming their peer group? And one of the things I found is that companies that are performing the worst will drive improvement the fastest. So it's sort of like losing weight. The fast, you know, the more weight you've got to lose, the faster it'll come off. And companies that are really good at supply chain will be better performers than their peer group, but they'll be making small incremental improvements. And so we look at 620 companies and we pull down 
the data from a syndicated data provider called YCharts. It takes us about three and a half months to do the analysis. We do orbit charts on those intersections of all the companies, and we look at how they did against peer group, and then we select the winners. And the winners are based upon, did the company drive improvement to a greater degree than two thirds of the peer group? Were they performing above average on growth, margin, inventory turns and return on invested capital. They have to be in all of those categories. And are they outperforming the peer group in either price to tangible book or market capitalization, which translates to value. So it's improvement, performance, and value. And, you know, 20 to 22 companies usually rise to the top. And uh, some companies are year over year winners. Yes. And this year we have 21 winners and we'll have a webinar third week in June where we'll present the winners. And what I'm doing right now is basically telling the winners they're winners uh, because I want them to speak at my annual conference and want to write their story and preparing for that webinar the third week in June. Wonderful. All right. So we're going to, we got to back up. We got to back up a little bit. Uh, Greg, as you and I were chatting about the wealth of information that is going to be available for all industry professionals, which I love that about your MO, uh, Laura, but you identified five things in particulars and and there's a lot more, but these things kind of jumped to my, uh, in front of my eyeballs here. So leaders, these are five general traits that Laura, the research really found. So it's data-driven leaders focus on horizontal processes. They build balanced scorecards. There's a lot of consistency in their leadership and culture, which I love that one. Strong planning and network design. And this last one, clarity of supply chain excellence, clarity. So Greg, before we get Laura to speak on one or two of those and why it's so important and, and, and kind of the, maybe the story behind it, which of those jumps out to you and really, yes, this is what leaders do. Well, I mean, as, as, as goes to supply chain, I think it is, it's, it's got to go to results. It's number five. It's, you know, it's a clear result in terms of, you know, in terms of performing and all of those other things lend to that. And frankly, that's the way good companies are run is you start with the goal in mind and you work your way back through the tactics the objectives, the goals, and and activities that get you there. And then you measure to go right back up to the top. You measure to assure that you are getting there or to confirm that you're on or off the track. And then you adapt to assure that you're getting there. So it, it all comes back to performance. In truth, you know, we say this all the time, Scott, no product, no program, right? So we, we have a very simple metric in supply chain. It is deliver on time what the customer wants so you know that i think that has to be the number one now there are a lot of other leadership traits and leadership activities in there but all of them really ultimately lead to performance Mm. and the interesting thing greg is that most people can't see their data only 29 percent of people can see total cost and i haven't interviewed anyone that can see margin And what we have is a pretty big deterioration of margin uh, based upon traditional marketing programs. And so what you find in the supply chains to admire is those that are very marketing driven versus market driven don't rank because of that slippage in margin and the fact that they didn't reach their growth objective. Mm. Interesting. 
It is interesting. We're, we're scraping just the tip of the iceberg here. Uh, we, we definitely want to encourage folks to uh, not only find uh, get a copy of the 2020 Supply Chains to Admire, but but we hopefully we can drop the link to the webinar in the uh, the show notes uh, if we can get that. All right, I want to I want to pose this question to to you both, Greg and Laura, and it comes from Nanda. Uh, as the economy begins to revive, he says, we are seeing supply chains plunge into one or the other crises. What is your take on this? Is supply chain, after all these years, still so vulnerable? What can we all do as a supply chain community to help stop further surprise crises in the near future? Any comments there? And, and Laura, why don't we start with you? Well, it's interesting because I think we took a lot for granted and that logistics would always be available. We just needed to negotiate price. We could build global supply chains on the back of an Excel spreadsheet and people would deliver and there wouldn't be reliability issues because we chased lower cost of labor, lower cost of materials. We built global supply chains and we really didn't test them. Only 9% of companies actively design their supply chains. Only 1% actually design buffer strategies for farm and function. And over the last decade, we've seen a decline in expertise and understanding for planning and the ability to really build resilience because we've invested in transactional systems and procurement efficiency. We have not really invested in decision support and building the robust supply chain capabilities. And I think it's a wonderful wake up call for the basics. We were better prepared in the 1990s for what happened today than we were in this last decade. And the reason is that I think we just fell asleep at the switch and assumed that reliability was just always gonna be there in logistics and supply. Wow, okay. So Greg, <laughs> Laura shared a lot of good stuff there. Your floor is yours, sir. Well, there's two things. One is supply chain, like so many topics, even the weather has become hyperbolic and everything that happens is uh, exacerbated through how it's reported. And because because it gets views, it gets likes, it gets uh, advertisers, uh, supply chain is news suddenly. Hey, Ben. And so I think that there's some aspect of that. But the truth is, as as Laura stated so eloquently, Supply chain has always been managed as a cost management exercise, and it is in fact not. It is a risk management exercise, cost being one of the key risks. But again, to go back to you know the previous portion of the discussion, no product, no program. It doesn't matter how low cost your supply chain is if it doesn't get the damn product to the to the client. So, you know, we have to foundationally change our paradigm as supply chain professionals to consider this a risk management exercise with cost just being considered one of those risks. That's how we change and stay clear of those surprises. And I think that we have too narrow of a thread going on risk, right? You know, risk isn't, you know, whether I have D&B tell me if somebody pays their bills or risk right. isn't, you know, cash flow based on what, you know, some of the software providers Risk comes with design. It comes with the ability to have information for employees. It comes with being able to have data that's relevant and timely. And I think that most companies, because they've invested in transactional systems, the supply chain has become more functional and more isolated. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, procurement operates in an island, logistics operates in an island. Those islands are bigger and wider than they used to be. And we got to change it. Yeah, agreed. Uh, no longer are they atolls. Yeah. They're full-blown island countries, uh, and they operate very independently sometimes, which holds us all back. I love your comment about how we were more prepared in the 90s for what we're facing now as a, yeah. as a craft, as a as a uh, industry than we are today. I got to share some of these comments here. So Peter also responds to Nanda. He says his personal thoughts are, you got to work on your supplier diversity. The supply chain is and will always be susceptible to fragility as it relies on sea, land, and rail to deliver goods. Having multiple sources of reliable products will allow you to be flexible. This, of course, fails when it's a proprietary product. Excellent point there. Enrique, going back to kind of some of the cultural things that you are both sharing earlier, results-only mentality, results-only mentality. That I, I'm assuming he's saying that that's part of the problem, perhaps. Let's say, uh, as Leah, hope this finds you well. Great to have you here. Isn't this how we lean... Uh, Rather, isn't this how we learn lean, agile, Six Sigma, et cetera? Software development companies have been a model for so many performance and efficiency practices. Would you agree with that, Laura and Greg? No. (laughs) Okay. I wouldn't. I mean, I think the software development model is a distinctly different model than a product model. Um, And I really think that manufacturing requires design. So I'm a chemical engineer. I couldn't graduate from the University of Tennessee unless I could design a heat exchanger and a distillation column. And I still can, but I never put that to practice. But I'm just shocked how few companies design their supply chain and don't focus on form and function of inventory and don't really test through simulation. And you know, we set ourselves up for what we have today. Excellent point, Greg. Yeah, companies are companies are so marketing driven these days. And I have always argued that particularly retailers and maybe some of these now B2C brands, they should focus on what they're good at, which is designing products. It is marketing those products. And it is um, perhaps, I don't know if it's outsourcing, but it is finding a different team of professionals to manage a different team of professionals to manage the supply chain practice. Um, and, you know, and to, to Laura's earlier point, we need to redefine risk management the way we understand right. risk management, because I think people think of it as those things. Does somebody have good credit? But one of the, one of the best statements I ever got around supply chain, and I still use this to, to this day, is assume everyone will fail you. Then you have the appropriate risk management understanding and stance. You have to provision for every single possible failure or likely failure, likely failure in the supply chain. And that is what we fail to do in supply chain is to provision for failure. Yes. You know, it reminds me and and Greg, with your uh, connection, we got a little max headroom going here. So (laughs) I love that. All we need is the zigzag 80s graphics and we'll have the whole enchilada. Uh, I don't even so, know what you guys are seeing. So, and I'm, I'm no, like 10 min- I feel like I'm 10 minutes behind you. <laughs> so what's funny though is, you know, where I got my start really in, in supply chain was on the, on the people in the staffing side. I had a, a large in- industrial and, and really logistics focused staffing company bring me to Atlanta way back when, before kids, before all kind of meaningful bills, you know, all that stuff. And really I had, I had a, a leader within the company that said, look, we're in the people business. People are going to let you down and you just got to embrace it. They're not going to show up. You know, they're going to 
Uh, they're going to pass the interview and then not show up on the first day, not even call you. You just got to embrace it and, and be prepared with a backup plan. So, Greg, kind of along the lines of what you shared there. I, you know, I like to believe in people. So, naturally, I, that was not a good way mindset for me to embrace. But it was, it was you know, part of what happens uh, in that business. I want to share a couple of things here. Brandy says, and agrees with both of you, we need to look at risks as a whole instead of in silos, cost, quality, compliance, et cetera. It all matters. Uh, and I think both of y'all were speaking to that point. Uh, Aditya, welcome back, Aditya. Great to have you as part of the live stream here today. Redesigning supply chains, not just being efficient, but also responsive at the same time. Need to achieve that balance. You want to speak to that for a second, Laura? Well, I say to folks, they typically have five to seven supply chains based upon rhythms and cycles. And there is a need for an efficient supply chain where you have very low demand variability and you can manage it. But there's also a need for a responsive supply chain, which is very short cycle. And there's a need for an agile supply chain that is really dealing with high demand variability and low volume. But a supply chain struggles to be efficient, responsive and agile at the same time. It is a choice. You can have combinations of response, but most people aren't clear on the definitions and most people don't design and most people don't identify their supply chains on rhythms and cycles. And that whole area is an opportunity for most people. They throw the words around, you know, I can't tell you the number of supply chain professionals that send me their really pretty slick documents that say they want to have an end-to-end -end supply chain that's efficient, responsive, and agile. And I just say, bullshit, you don't understand supply chain. What is an end? What is an end? And your supply chain, you need to make mm -hmm. a choice, right? If you're all about low cost, you need to have very low variability in both demand and supply. And that's not the case for most people. Mm. As Clay says, boom. Mic drop, Laura. Excellent point Sorry. there. No, no. Hey, you tell it like it is. No, I appreciate no. that. I think that's a breath of fresh air. Yeah. I, th I think we'd yeah. all benefit greatly so by having more folks tell it like it is rather than give us the corporate fluff that, that is so prevalent. All right. So John Thornberry says, the chase for lowest piece price is a race to the bottom. No organization wins in this race because total costs increase as a function of distance in supply chain. Excellent point there. I like what Barbara says here. Barbara, welcome to the live stream. Our supply network designs are perfectly designed or not designed to give us precisely the results we are getting today. Greg, how about that? I'm not sure I quite follow that. Our supply chain network designs are perfectly designed or not designed to give us precisely the result. Well, I get. I think, I think she's impugning our supply chain network designs, right? is must be what she's talking I read about that. what we're getting today is not what we're after clearly mm. well what i took on barbara's comment there is that we're we're getting what we design for you know right. it, we're not if if we yeah. design abc and we get abc it's kind of it, it's it's our fault if abc is not what we want laura speak to that yeah yeah well, you know, the supply chain is a complex nonlinear system, and most people, you know, manage the supply chain on an Excel spreadsheet, which an Excel spreadsheet is not sufficient because you can't see the trade-offs and you can't just look at cost. You need to look at margin. And if you reward the organization for functional incentives like purchase price variance or OEE and manufacturing or lowest transportation costs, 
you throw the supply chain out of balance and you get what we've got. Mm. Agreed. Uh, excellent point there. I want to share. Gosh, we got a bunch of comments. I'm I'm trying to we get got all them going of now. Yes, it got juices going. Everybody here. Chia says the one who wants everything is the one who doesn't understand supply chain. Good point there, Sylvia. Greg, how do you say that? I I'm, can't read it. Okay, uh, Laura. Uh, any? Bullen, she, oh, she said she said bullshit in in German. That's what <laughs> <Okay>. it is. <laughs> I got to practice. I got to brush up on my German too. Evidently, uh, Sylvia, <laughs> glad you're here with us. There's Sandy. some key words you need to know. Schweinhund. <laughs> Sandy, great to have you here. Interesting. I was how you that, by the way. I was just that's a word, <laughs> key word in there. Uh, Sandy says, "Interesting how two of my passions have come to an intersection of roads." And she says, well, supply chain now, all roads lead to supply chain. Very true. Or maybe maybe Sandy said that. Y'all have to clarify. I'm trying to keep up with all the comments here. Back to what Barbara shared a minute ago. She's saying the designs are piecemealed and not intentional. Laura, you're nodding your head. Agreed? Yeah, most of the network design work is ad hoc, and it's a piece of the supply chain. And people are not intentional on the building of the supply chain response. So I agree with Barbara and it takes great leadership to rise above and say, the supply chain is malleable. It's something I design and, you know, the interrelationships of metrics in the supply chain drive behavior. And I can't just manage it, you know, on an Excel spreadsheet or manage it, based on the supply chain I inherited. And designing the flows is very different than designing the bricks and mortar. Mm. So, gosh, so much to talk about, so little time. We blink and it's it's almost uh, 12.52 now. It's almost, cocktail time. <laughs> it is, that's right. Hey, a, a couple other comments here. Rhonda says, there's an old time song, Tell It Like It Is. Or was it, tell me like it is. So many relatable topics here to think about today. I, I agree with you. And Clay, tell yes. It like it, it is. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> I think it's the Eagles or something. Clay, agreed. Very lively one. And yes, Azalea, you ask uh, and uh, you shall receive. So we were talking about the 2020 Supply Chains to Admire, which is more of a research piece, which is where can folks... Uh, uh, of course, you've got a webinar where it's kind of kind of a release party and recognition party. But where can folks go, Laura, to, to access that? So uh, the Supply Chains to Admire is um, a PDF that I sent you, which we can drop in the chat. Every year I write an ebook, uh, which is available on Amazon and Flipping Book. And I have two hard copy books, one on the metrics that matter about managing the complex nonlinear system called Supply Chain. And the first one is called Bricks Matter, which is a historic look at the prior two decades of supply chain. And my third book, which will be about supply chain leadership, will publish sometime in the next couple of years. That's what I'm working on now. Wonderful. And hey, we'll make it easy. So I don't have a way of posting an attachment in the comments, but hey, shoot a note to Amanda at Supply Chain Now, and we'll, we'll send you a copy of the 2020 Supply Chains to Admire. And we'll also work to... Uh, uh, get that in our newsletter to help disseminate what is really outstanding research that is, again, unbeholden, right? It's independent. It's funded, I, I believe, completely by your company, Supply Chain Insights. And it, so you can really be that independent voice. So I love that, Laura. Okay. So one more comment here from Brandy. Design thinking needs to be part of supply chain business operations and not 
just engineering. Excellent point. Excellent point. I could, I could talk a whole show about design thinking, um, you know, but I'm going to save it. But uh, Scott, please remind people in the chat to consider taking our study on analytics. Uh, that is one of the studies that we're closing. We'd love to have people's voice on that study. Excellent point. And Amanda, if we can, I think we do have a link for that. Again, and, and to expound a bit on that, you know, we'd love to have your inputs, your experiences, your uh, expertise on analytics into this next piece of research that Laura and her team are building out. And again, your inputs will help the outputs be even more impactful that, that are, are you know, open source for the industry to get better and learn from. So it looks like we're dropping that link into the comments. That was really quick. Thank you very much, Amanda or Clay, who did that. Um, okay, so Laura, we wanted we, we touched on Project Zebra, but one one quick anything else you want to add with Project Zebra before we bid adieu? So we do have a website now, and uh, we'll drop that into the link as well, and uh, people can sign up for the newsletter. And we're solutioning a market-driven demand management tool to look at how do we have baseline to be able to look at whether we're shifting demand or shaping demand uh, based upon the analytics and the market-driven knowledge graph, which will allow us to look at a balanced scorecard in real time and look at the impact of the plan and the potential of better planning. So uh, you can follow that on the newsletter. Wonderful. Hey, and you know, folks, if you love Laura's take, Frank, what needs to be said, what should be said. Greg, I can't remember what, what you don't want to say around that. But more folks need to, what I, I believe, more folks need to hear that uh, independent voice and POV. Uh, if you enjoy all that, you got a great conference coming up in September. Uh, Laura, I believe the dates are the 7th, 8th, and 9th, and it's going to be a hybrid. It's going to be in-person and virtual, and there will be uh, a registration link, I think, available just next uh, few next days, week. right? Yeah. Next week. And I'm happy to partner with you guys to do the live show online. And we're doing a hybrid, so we'll have 100 people in the room, and the people in the room have to have vaccinations, and we'll wear masks and follow the CDC guidelines. But I'm hoping to have a rockin' show online with you guys moderating and to have some of the speakers come on and have you interview them. And, um, you know, I'm hoping to have 1,000, 2,000 people online to be able to celebrate with the supply chains to admire winners. Uh, we've got a uh, focus on new business models and how supply chain can evolve and some updates on Project Zebra. And I think it's just some great speakers. Wonderful. Uh, rocking time. Who knows? Nashville cats may even make an appearance, Laura. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Kidding. Pulls, baby. <laughs> That's right. Hey, well, Laura Cecilia, always a pleasure. Uh, um, again, we, we, are admirers of yours and, 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 and your approach here. I think supply chain professionals, practitioners, leaders need all the help they can get to get through these, these challenging times, right? Fighting old problems and lots of new problems. And I think they, that open source MO aspect of your approach is a wonderful breath of fresh air. So we look forward to supporting that and continuing our collaboration in the weeks ahead. Thanks so much, Laura. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Off Bye -bye. for the quick cocktail. Bye. <laughs> Thanks, Laura. Greg, she does not miss a thing. In fact, y'all two are a lot alike in that regard. Greg, you never miss anything. <laughs> yes, she's my spirit person. Yes, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. So, uh, folks, I know we couldn't get everybody's comments today. Thanks so much for contributing and jumping right into the conversation. You know, that, that's the great thing about frank conversations, right? I think they do 
can find a lot of kindred spirits when you're really just having a frank kind of supply chain conversation around the kitchen table, right? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think that, that we have to acknowledge that we are in the forefront now and we are going to be in so many conversations. I heard it yesterday again, talking about supply chain and was just so shocked to hear uh, something, probably something about the colonial thing, I think, mm. which is not a supply chain issue at all, by the way, that was a panic buying issue. Again, mm. just like toilet paper, we didn't have a supply issue. We had a demand issue. Well, hey, it is about deeds, not words, which is part of what Greg's touching on there. And folks, get behind this effort, org or shoot a note to india at vectorgl.com. We saw Enrique Alvarez uh, with us here today. Appreciate his leadership, his action-based leadership. Also appreciate Laura's talk about action-based leadership. I mean, the, to, to invest all that into uh, some heavy-hitting research and then open it up. For the world to get better, uh, industry get better. That is, uh, those are leaders that we admire. So, Greg, a pleasure. Thanks for making this thing work. Uh, I know that uh, you're on the move, making it happen, helping plenty of fellow founders. And I'm glad the technology worked here today. Somehow we made it, managed to get through it, didn't we? <laughs> That's yeah. right. Well, hey, big thanks to uh, Amanda and Clay behind the scenes. Big thanks to all the folks that came out for a great conversation. Sign up for that webinar. Uh, if you have if you have any problems finding anything we talked about today, shoot us a note, Amanda at supplychainnow.com, and we will we'll help you out. Thanks so much for coming out. Most importantly, hey, on behalf of our entire team, do good, give forward, be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.